WKTY 96.7 FM, 580 AM. Welcome back to WKTY Outdoors. I hope you're having a good morning there, making uh, the most of the 4th of July holiday here. and Here to help uh, maybe uh, point you in the right direction and give you a few ideas in terms of, uh, of finding the fish this weekend. Uh, joining me is Tackle Terry Tuma. Good morning, Terry. How are you this morning? Good morning, Kevin. I'm just fine. Thank you so much for asking. Well, good, good. Hey, uh, you know, uh, and I got a, a quick question here for you before I uh, before we kind of talk a little bit about uh, about the pan fishing here. Uh, I, I know you you live along the river uh, to the north up here, and I'm just wondering, did you guys have some big mayfly hatches, or are expecting some big mayfly hatches? Yes, I uh, did. Uh, I've been fishing uh, smallmouth and largemouth bass, Kevin, and yes, I did experience some uh, major mayfly hatches. And also, too, I don't know how far down the river they're going to go. I imagine you've got some already. I did hear a comment that the St. Croix River has a really excessive hatch, but I cannot verify that because I wasn't there. But, uh, yes, and it just it makes it really difficult to catch uh, you know, fish under these kind of conditions, but their main food source with mayflies is the mayfly hatch itself. And with the bass fishing, I've had some tremendous results with plastics and could not even get a bite whatsoever with plastic. So I opt for number four shad wraps, and that really was the ticket to catching fish. Not as many, of course, mm-hmm. uh, but also, you know, I really, uh, a, a softer bite if you want to hit. And that's because of a, a sort of a reflex action out of those bass. Yeah, it's not so much. Uh, uh, they're 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 going for food. It's more of like like you said, a reflex, uh, more of a reaction type of a bite. It really is, Kevin. Yes, and some people are asking me, uh, well, what do you mean? Well, and I often refer to you know if you have say uh, a rod in your hand or a set of keys or whatever, and your hand hits something, uh, automatically your hand opens up, and that's just exactly what these fish relate to. It's something to the point of you know, you know. I really refer to it as get it out of my way type of thing. Uh, it's sort of disrupting what they're doing, and that's where you can catch these fish. And some can be pretty decent fish, but it really varies a ton. But patience is definitely required. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I'm guessing you've got to you've got to work those areas quite a bit more than than maybe you normally would uh, without that without having to deal with that mayfly hatch. Oh, definitely. There's no question about it, Kevin. Yes, and you have to vary your retreat. You have to work with different colors. Uh, normally, I do use sort of the, uh, um, shall we say, the shad colors under those kind of conditions, but not always. But here again, too, you, as you mentioned, you have to you know adjust your casting angles, your retrieve speeds, however and whatever you're doing, your casting distances. These are all factors in catching these fish. Yep, exactly. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, definitely much more of a... Much more of a challenge, and, and uh, you just have to kind of, you know, you know the fish are going to be there, and you know you can maybe get that reaction bite. You just, like you said, you have to have a lot more patience to, uh, to find. I'm guessing, too, you know, you just have to stay on those. If you know the fish are there, you just have to stay on those areas maybe just a little bit longer than you normally you normally would under, under I guess, normal conditions, if, if you can call it that. Yes, you're exactly right. You know, here again, too, you have to uh, keep moving, you know, and so forth, too. But you do, if you know fish are there, you've got to thoroughly work those areas. What I'll do is work an area, 
and then move, say, downriver, upriver, and then come back to those spots. We're not talking, you know, a mile or anything like that, mm-hmm. but, you know, a good maybe three, four, five blocks, and then go back up again and go back down and keep constantly working those areas, and you will get, uh, you will get some fish. Now let's and let's actually just kind of take this a, a, a little bit further as well. What about you know we're talking about bass here right now, but what about other species as well, like walleyes, sauger, you know, panfish and things like that? They're going to be kind of doing the are, are those uh, what we talked about with bass in terms of of how they're relating to the to the mayfly hatch? Are those are the other species going to be similar similar to that as well? Yes, they are. There's no question about it. You know, yeah, with uh, for sure with walleyes, uh, with you know all species of fish. But here again, it's such an abundant food source. They're going to take advantage of that. So many times they're just gorging themselves on these mayflies. But we also have to understand that mayfly hatch doesn't last you know that long, mm-hmm. uh, three to four days usually. But then two, I got on the river. We have seen further up river where. Uh, this is a second mayfly hatch, so we just have to be, you know, alerted to that and expect, you know, a tougher bite. But we can catch fish under those kind of conditions. Mm-hmm. And and as far as uh, uh, like the other species, you know, the bass with that reaction bite, are you going to get those same kind of uh, reactions? To, um, I, I guess, maybe I'm, I'm I'm trying to see, you know, a, a reaction bite for a bluegill or a perch or something along those lines, and I. I not so much necessarily compared to a you know the aggressiveness compared to say a bass or something along those lines. Well, generally speaking, uh, Kevin, not you're not going to really see a reaction bite. I think here you're going to want to use maybe some hair jigs, you know, sort of a brownish in color, uh, sort of a slow retrieve. Um, but then you know, once this mayfly hatch is is done, especially with crappies, is you know, and so often, and we've got some questions about that. You know, casting small the ultralight. Uh, shall we say crankbaits, if you want to call them, some people call them hard baits, sure. like the ultralight chad, uh, the mini fat wrap, very, very, very productive. And so many people do not use them whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh yeah, I mean, and I, I've seen some just uh, some tremendous, uh, tremendous bites with just, I almost, I, I guess I kind of like to think of them as sort of like micro crankbaits in a, in a manner of speaking. Yes, you're exactly right, and it's, it's amazing, too, how many bass you can pick up, too, uh, by using those tools. But then along with that, too, we've had some great success with jig spin. The tadpole spin uh, is, you know, with a plastic with a blade on it, mm-hmm. sort of similar to the old Johnson uh, spinners, and sure. uh, those are extremely, extremely productive, and you can cast those and retrieve those. Uh, you can sort of yo-yo them in the water column, and then uh, two is... Uh, I do a lot of casting small jigs with with dressings, you know, some you know, thirty second to sixteen ounce, mm-hmm. and then casting them up into these areas, and then vary your retrieve. Generally speaking, your plastics are very, very productive. Power, uh, the power bait tubes are very productive, and then to try some hair jigs. Okay, yeah, that's uh, yeah, I uh, those are always some of my favorites to uh, uh, to use for pan fishing. Is just some of the yeah the little. Maybe a little marabou, something along those lines. Something, uh, something that just uh, has has just. I, I like the action of that. Sometimes that marabou, it just it, it pulses to me anyway, and and uh, usually tends to draw in at least a few curious fish anyway. 
Yeah, it really does, you know, and here again, too, I think so often we have this tendency, and there's no question, you know, bobber and a minnow type of an approach for mm-hmm. our crappies, and yes, we all know it does work, but, you know, here again, I think casting or, or you know, working some of these other baits, it can be much more beneficial. You know, with, when you're using a bobber system, no matter what species, we're waiting for the fish to come to us, and with these other baits, you're really going to those fish, finding those fish. And it, it's very, very productive. And there's nothing wrong with using a bobber system by no means, but you're going to be much more, shall we say, uh, I don't want to say happier, but much more successful when you're using some of these other baits. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, the other thing too is, you know, it, and, and, and we, we talked to maybe I'm thinking water temperature as well when it gets maybe a little too warm for the fish that they're not going to be necessarily as, uh, as active, but I mean, you can cover a lot of ground by, you know, casting out those, uh, those little, those little jigs and, and working them back as opposed to using, uh, like you said, the bobber system, there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. It's certainly productive, but, uh, you can certainly cover a lot more ground with, uh, um, and, and, and find those spots a little bit faster, certainly with, uh, uh, by being more, I guess, aggressive in terms of, of what you're presenting to the fish. Well, that's exactly right. And we have to understand when you're fishing a river system, too, I really feel that those fish move from uh, uh, deep to shallow to feed and so forth. They're not always just stationary in one spot. And that's something we have to address. And as you mentioned, you've got to keep on moving till you find these fish, and then you can camp out in those spots mm-hmm. and work those fish. But once that bite uh, quits, maybe you've got four or five crappies or three crappies, then you've got to move again, uh, constantly staying in touch with where those fish are at. Yeah, yeah. And the nice thing, and the other thing about the, the like a river system as well, is that, you know, those kinds of conditions and, and you know similar you know like a wing dam or a, they each have their individual characteristics, but you can find those particular setups and locations are very similar ones, you know in one spot, move to another spot that's very similar. I mean and you can find a re- I want to say repeating pattern, but that's kind of what I'm thinking of or whatever is that you know there's a lot of these same types of spots all up and down the river there. So I mean you can. You know, once you kind of dial in that pattern, you can go from place to place and 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 be successful. Yeah, you know, especially you know, some especially at this time of year with water temperature seventy seven degrees, some of the deeper holes at the tip of a wing dam can be extremely productive. And then too here, uh, generally speaking, you can either cast small jigs or vertical jig for them in deeper water. You know, if it's fifteen feet or even deeper, vertical jig for those crappies. And then, as you mentioned, too, some of those riprap areas, it's amazing, Kevin, how one piece of riprap or whole crop is and the next one adjoining will not hold any at all. And this is something else that we have to address. But, you know, the biggest factor here is working riprap out of the main river channel itself. It's almost like a small lake connected or a big bay, and that's where those crappies are going to be at. And there's no question that these crappies are really a nice fish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, exactly. And you kind of touched on it as well, and, and I, this was one area that I, I did want to uh, to talk about. Uh, what are we talking about here this and this time of year with the warmer water temperatures? Are are these fish going to be up shallow? Are they going to be working? Are they going to be a little bit deeper in the water column? Uh, or or will and, and will it vary throughout the course of the day? 
Well, it'll vary throughout the course of the day. You know, on on lakes itself, I just had those questions asked the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, how are these real warm water temperatures going to affect the fish? Well, it can definitely affect these fish. Uh, pushing them deeper is one, Kevin. The other two on, on inland bodies of water, uh, hopefully we don't run into oxygen depletion problem. Mm-hmm. We have these steady temperatures and no wind to provide extra oxygen. So that's a factor. But with, with, uh, with crappies or whatever species of fish, uh, generally speaking, it's going to be water levels that are going to be uh, uh, affecting these fish. Another uh, area that we fish a lot of is we call it cold water seams, Kevin, mm-hmm. uh, where springs are running into the, um, to the main body of water. Uh, even some of your rivers, uh, you know, bringing water into uh, the main channel or main lake part of that uh, area that we're fishing, those are areas that we want to sort of concentrate on. These cold water seams can be extremely productive, not only for crappies, but for several species of fish. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, and it, and it doesn't necessarily take an awful lot, you know, we talk about colder water, you know, even if a few degrees can make a huge difference in terms of uh, of these fish and how active they are. Well, it really does. You know, even on inland bodies of water, if you know of a lake that's got springs in it, mm-hmm. those are areas of fish right now. Uh, you know, generally speaking, they're going to be deeper, of course, but vertical jigging, you know, for pike or whatever, walleyes or whatever it may be, you can have some tremendous results. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, and, and uh, talking about, I uh, uh, was thinking, too, that, that the bluegill spawn is starting to kind of get going here if in, in, in some places as well. You're going to find those, uh, obviously, in a little bit shallower water as well. Yes, and, and the riprap areas can be also very, very good, Kevin. Generally speaking, is you know where the riprap isn't so, shall we say, so abrupt, if you will, mm-hmm. where you got a lot of rocks, but if you can find riprap with gravel and awesome sand, you got some dynamite fishing. And yes, it's amazing on so many bodies of water uh, where the cra- uh, sunfish haven't uh, spawned, and then uh, yet on other bodies of water, uh, they've been done for quite some time. But also, we have to remember that. Uh, especially uh, sunfish, bluegills, uh, can spawn a couple of times, or they can also absorb all their spawn and not spawn to the following year. Yep, exactly. And uh, you're right, they, and, and then something uh, that, that that I overlooked is that, yeah, you're, they can uh, spawn a couple of times throughout the course of the year depending on the, the particular conditions, and um, yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely a possibility. What else, I guess, uh, w- would you suggest that... that that maybe people are, are you know, fishing a, a river system, uh, you know, that they should kind of keep an eye out for uh, in terms of uh, in, in terms of the bite or for panfish for like, uh, let, let's talk a little bit about perch, actually. What should they be looking for uh, when they're out on the water this weekend, for example? Well, especially for perch um, is here again, uh, we've had some great success with it. Jig and a minnow, Kevin, but jig and plastic is also extremely productive. It, depending here again how deep or how shallow these fish are. You know, if they're deeper wing dams, the end, end of wing dams really hold, can hold a lot of perch. But so can, you know, our riprap areas. And here, too, is, you know, casting plastics on, on a jig, uh, very productive. Some of your smaller crankbaits can be good. But just working some of these specific areas, what well, we have to understand, too, where reverse 
river system, I'm a firm believer that these fish, especially if you're fishing, you know, say riprap areas and so forth, is that these fish are going to be moving in and out. And also, too, you know, if you're trolling, say, for walleyes with lead core, whatever it may be, these fish can be extremely deep. We've caught them as far uh, this year, 25 to 30 feet in depth. Wow. Yeah. That's, uh, I'm, I'm surprised that, uh, uh, that they're, uh, that they're running that deep, but, um, and, and I guess what sort of, do you, what do you tr- sort of attribute that to just what kind of conditions that, that, that would lead them to that, that uh, running that deep? Generally speaking, it's going to be food and fishing pressure. You know, there's a lot of fishing pressure, uh, up shallow is going to push them deeper. And then also it's going to be where the food is located at Kevin. Those are two factors, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, excluding mayflies, of course, but those are going to be the two factors that we have to adjust it. It's security and the food. Mm-hmm. And, not, not, and and are we seeing some of those like schools of say minnows and, and things along those lines, uh, you know, shad, whatnot, are they, are they moving? Is it too warm for them now? You know, we're starting, nope. you know, it, it, that, that they're moving, moving to that deeper water. No, uh, the fishing for the uh, bass. No, I've seen a lot of gizzard shad uh, up shallower, Kevin. A lot of real small ones. So these fish have uh, unbelievable abundance of food. You know, with the gizzard shad, mm-hmm. with uh, with the mayflies, uh, they can feed and feed and feed. And so, therefore, then too is just you know the biggest factor too. You know, if you're if you're fishing, a, just say for walleyes especially, if you're fishing not even a river system, but if you're fishing inland bodies of water, use your electronics and mark these fish. You know, there is really no sense in working in an area where you're not marking any fish at all. Mm-hmm. You're fishing in no man's land, really, and that's something we have to adjust. I think so often today, lots of people don't, they use your electronics to see how deep it is or what kind of structure, but that's as far as it goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're not they're not necessarily looking for those those schools of, of fish. And certainly, you know, when they find them too, there are going to be some that are going to be active, some that maybe are a little more neutral or, or negative, but you know, Hey, is, if you're marking fish, let's, uh, let's get a line in the water. Well, exactly right. And you know, so often too, even with crappies at this time of the year, you know, you can pick up two, three crappies in deeper water and that's it. We too often think that they're always schooling. They don't always school. Many times your big crabs can be belly to the bottom, very similar to walleye fishing. And, you know, same thing with when you're marking these fish or marking walleyes, for instance. Don't look for this massive school. Many times you'll see two, three, four in a certain area and then maybe go a, a few more yards and another one or two. This is what we have to adjust to and not look for these major concentrations of any species of fish we're pursuing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and uh, it's uh, that's good advice. Again, uh, talking with uh, with tackle Terry Tuma this morning here on WKTY Outdoors, and uh, we're talking about uh, uh, fishing during the uh, during the summer months here as well, and uh, uh, the challenges, and uh, just thinking about things a little bit uh, a little bit differently, in in, in terms of, of finding things and uh, finding the fish, and, and uh, having success out on the out on the water. Now, I, I guess. This time of year, Terry, do you have a, a preference when you like to get out on the water, you know, early in the morning, late in the afternoon, you know, and and what is that middle part of the day? Does Is it really worth getting out there for? Well, first of all, I'm uh, glad you answered that question. I haven't had that asked for a while. Uh, I, generally speaking, I'm out uh, early, early morning hours uh, for a couple of reasons. One, you have low light condition. 
That's mm-hmm. number one. Number two, minimal amount of boating and fishing pressure. That's number two. And does it make a, a, a is it a factor? Definitely. Also, late evening bites can be very, very good too. But here again, depending on the water that we're fishing, you know, if it's a real dark body of water, sometimes that extra sunlight can be of a help for those fish to identify a food source, that bait that you're using. Okay. But here again, too, generally speaking, I do prefer early, early morning hours. Okay. Yeah. The, and uh, are the fish just that much more active at that at that particular time of the day that they can just see the the see what they're I guess see what they're eating a little bit easier? Uh, and 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 like you said, there's a, a definitely a lot less pressure than uh, than the rest of the day with uh, uh, with uh, with a lot, for a lot of anglers. Yeah, it really does, uh, I think, relate to the fishing pressure, conditioning of fish, uh, food source availability. You know, uh, when you get bright sun, uh, many times they'll drop down deeper or they won't be quite as active as far as that food source. But it varies. You know, your best, your better bites are going to be early morning, late evening hours. You can definitely catch fish throughout the day, but I really feel it's going to slow down. Is it always a factor? No. Weather condition can be a big factor. These are all ingredients in being successful. You know, food sources shift from uh, from one, uh, shall we say, depth to another. Mm-hmm. These are all ingredients in how we should uh, concentrate on fish. But I just believe, you know, biggest factor, yes, the low-light conditions, but the biggest factor is fishing pressure. And we've seen it for so many, many, many times, uh, you know, on the river, but also on inland bodies of water where uh, these areas start to get hammered by anglers, and it really does sh- either shuts them off or they move into deeper water or up into the weeds. Mm-hmm. In, in places where you, <laughs> where they're... Where that bite, where where that bite just gets so much more tough. It really yes, and you know we've had some questions about weed fish too on inland bodies of water, mm-hmm. uh, or even some of your backwaters too. But fish are in weeds for a few reasons. One is fishing pressure, boating pressure. They don't want to put up with the hassle of the weeds, but it's also five degrees coo- uh, cooler. It provides cover, and I really feel that some of these fish are born and raised into those areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. Uh, Definitely, yeah. I, you know, uh, fish can't wear sunglasses, so yeah, they've they got to have something to protect them from that, sh- from that, uh, from that light. Yes, they, and that's exactly correct. And generally speaking, you're going to see your fishing if you got a lot of pressure, if the weather conditions or whatever is going to push them down. You know, into shall we say the lower body column on the body of water that you're fishing. But many times it can be very, very. Uh, close to the bottom, if not right on the bottom. And here again, too, it's security for these fish, providing overhead cover. And then, of course, uh, there's ample food sources in these uh, weedy areas. Oh, exactly. Yeah, you know, whether it's, it's you know, schools of minnows uh, or, you know, bugs, I'm thinking, you know, just little... Uh, insects, yeah. Insects, yeah. <laughs> That's what I was going for. But, yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, there's there's... There's definitely opportunities for them to, to to eat something in there as well. So now, if you are fishing those 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 weedier areas, you know, are are you scaling down then your your presentation? You know, in terms of you know maybe a smaller jig, like maybe one of the you know like a, a thirty second or even maybe even a sixty fourth or or something along those lines. It depends really on the species of fish pursuing. But right. now, saying for instance for walleyes, Kevin, generally speaking, a uh, a sixteen to an eighth of an ounce, and then. Uh, you can use just plastics only, like a power grub or whatever it is, but you can also use a small piece of leech along with your pieces of plastics and then catch it up into some of those pockets and then sort of rip it up, let it fall back down, and rip it up, fall 
all the way down until you come to the edge of the weeds. Once you come to the edge of the weeds, do not quit. Do not retrieve that jig. Keep on jigging the same identical retrieve. And many times, once you start to raise that up, and that happens to bass fishing too with wacky worms and so forth, they'll follow it up. And then once you start to speed up or you start to raise it up, that's when the fish hits. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Terry, I, uh, I appreciate it here. I've got to uh, wrap this up here this morning. We've uh, certainly covered a, a lot of ground as we uh, we always do, and and I, I certainly appreciate uh, you spending the time with me this morning here to uh, uh, to to chat and uh, uh, share some of your uh, your great knowledge with us uh, with everybody here this weekend. And uh, uh, thank you as always. Thank you. Well, thank you, Kevin, and happy Fourth of July. And be safe to you, Kevin, your family, and all of our listeners. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. And, and you have a, a tremendous 4th of July as well. And uh, we, will, uh, we will talk to you again soon. Thank you, Kevin. Have a great day. You too. You too. We're going to take a break. Be back in a moment with more of WKTY Outdoors on WKTY 96.7 FM, 580 AM. It's 851.